Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 107. My goodness. Let's roll. Hey, week four in the books. Man, lots of carnage out there as as usual in the uh, in the NFL streets. You know, I'm sure you're you're crying over over some losses. Uh, Javante Williams will get there. You know, I was thinking about it. Um, you know, I'm I you know I have a podcast, I have a voice, I've got a a platform. And last week we went a little off the rails having my my friend. If you had a podcast, you'd probably invite your friend on the damn thing too. So that was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed it. Today I get a a friend as well, but a pro, a real pro. I'm so excited to have my friend on again. Uh, Felix, I don't know how many damn times you've been on this show, but I'm bringing out my man, Felix Sharp. You can find Felix on Twitter at Sharp with an E, Sharp Review on Twitter. Felix Sharp, what is going on, my brother? You know, I, for a moment there, I thought you were going to exclude me saying you had a friend on last week and now yeah, you're having week, me. Yeah. Now you're having yeah. me on. I thought yeah. you were exclu- <laughs> This is what, my third or fourth time being on the show. It's I love be hanging four. out with you. Always like hanging yeah. out with Michael. We normally yep. do this because you're on the West Coast. I'm on the East Coast. We normally do this at what? Like the earliest we've ever recorded is 9 p.m. your time. <laughs> and I'll just be like, all right, I'm going to stay up until 3 o'clock in the morning and score with yeah. Jacks because I love this show. I love the Undroppables. I got, you know, you, Tommy, Nick are all friends of mine, real friends of mine. Yes, sir. Now, real so friends. I, that's right. I would. That's I was exactly like, you know right. what? You need. You would. You would. You would message me sometime that day. Like, let's record. I'm like, let's do it. But, but today, yeah. I don't need all that coffee and anything because we're recording here in the afternoon. So I'm good, man. Let's go. Yes, yes. We also well, got to talk excited. about RC two C two RC two C league that you're in. Your first exposure to C two C, which you are treating like a dynasty league. I've seen you tweet about this league, talking as a dynasty league. No, it is a C two C league. You're running the NFL part, and Kyle is running the college part. So we got. What is the that. NFL? What is the NFL part record for Jax Falcone in that league? I oh, might have to look it up. Do you I know what it is? It. No, I got to look it up. I'm gonna look it up right now. Do you have to look it up? I mean, do you really? <laughs> I know that we took on each other and I lost to you and I'm uh, my my team is pretty good in that one too. Hey, you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. Let's see. You Let's and see. three other schlubs can, can you're say number the same two. thing. I'm you are 4 and oh. oh, wow. 4 and oh. I mean you invite me to a C2C league and I start just running ramp. There we go. There we just go. Just run over the competition. Come on, baby. Oh my god. So excited. And we got Sean Tucker coming in next year on that team. I don't know what Kyle's doing down in the college part, but you know, I just need to win year one to just, you know, that way if Kyle fucks it all up, I can, you know, I can. It's so much fun. It's so much fun because yeah, people cool. are always looking for more football. They got these spring leagues and got people playing fantasy for arena league and XFL. If you play in yeah. C2Cs, you get both, you get the best of all of it and you get fun on Saturday and Sunday. And uh, I really think that we're going to see, we see, we've already seen a lot of growth this year. Well, it was funny because I, I, Hey, Felix, I put together like a, a small show sheet. Um, nothing too much. Cause you and I can just, you know, ramble and stuff. Oh, but, yeah. um, and, and I did not put this on there, but I was going there first. And it's funny that you went there first talking about the league. Cause I was just going to be like, Hey, yo, Felix, any idea what my record is in your league that you invited <laughs> me to this, this campus to Canton thing that I don't know anything about. What's my record in that league that I don't know anything about Drum. four. No, anyway, 
but in all seriousness, it's a lot of fun. You have this college uh, team that plays every week and you have a record there. And then you have a pro team that plays every week and your college team is the feeder for your pro team. So there's no real draft. The draft is actually, you know, any college players that were, you know, not on a roster or incoming high school seniors that come into college. That's your real draft. So um, that's pretty crazy. That's pretty fun. Uh, haven't been part of one of those drafts. We did a startup last year, this past year, but it'll be fun to see how that sort of high school stuff works. And of course, you know, I'm going to have to geek out on it and get a look. That's why Kyle's doing it too, to just help me. So I don't have to, because if, if, if I had to have it all on my own, I would just dive so deep in that it would just be too consuming. So now I can kind of dip my toes, allow Kyle to hold my hand, so to speak, as we go through it. But yeah, man, that's what your whole brand is sort of based around is yeah. this format. So you know, uh, go check it out, right? And we're going to talk about the 2023 class today. Yes, sir. These players could be scoring points for you already in campus to Canton leagues. That's what's so much fun. If you're a dynasty league player, you get this exposure to the 2023 class, the 2024 class. You know what's coming down the line. So when you're in the dynasty leagues and you need to assess the value of a 2023 versus 2024 pick, you can do it. Like a couple of years ago, we were telling people, 2022 ain't the class that you want to have invested in. That's not, mm, that's a poo poo class. And lo and behold, right. you know, Kenneth Walker was what? The 102? In in uh in in dynasty rookie drafts this year, so right. Check out campuscanton.com. There's a link right there. On what is C2C? If you want more information, it'll be all right there. Yeah, exactly. We knew the the, the class was going to be down, and it was. And you know, the quarterbacks didn't get pushed up top as some people thought they might. They got pushed into the third and even fifth round with Sam Howell, probably too low in my humble opinion, but whatever. doesn't really matter what my stupid ass opinion is. just means that we kind of saw this coming one way or the other. Um, we, we, look, it was funny. I had Chris on last week. He's like my homeboy. We had a lot of fun and you know, he was like uh 17 Red Bull and vodkas deep when he goes on the show. So it got, it got a little loose, but that's all right. Uh, fun times this week. I was like, man, you know what time it is. It's time for me to introduce myself and the listeners to that 2023 class. And I can't wait to do that. But first I want to mention, you know, a, a couple of, a couple of sad stories like Javante Williams going down with the ACL. I mean, you know, uh, it's like a, the 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 next in a long line. You get Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook. It was probably in the other order. Dalvin Cook, Saquon, J.K. Dobbins, and now Javante Williams. Feels like every year we lose an elite running back, and it's just kind of depressing. But uh, Javante going down. What are your thoughts here? At least we know that it's not a career-ending type injury because we have seen it with all of those guys. And how much value has J.K. Dobbins lost? How much value has Saquon Barkley lost? Uh, and it, or, or Dalvin Cook. I mean, I, Dalvin Cook tore his ACL against the Lions. I remember that game. I was watching that game, and he comes back, and he's you know been the player we expected him to be. J.K. Dobbins is going to come back next year. Maybe Melvin Gordon, Gordon won't be in the fold, and he'll have that backfield to himself. If there's any doubt, now, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor, but but we've seen this with other running backs. It's just not an injury that we need to be concerned with their long-term value. So this could be a buy opportunity yeah. for, for, for Javante. If you're a rebuilding team, I've got some leagues Bingo. where, you know, my team sucks, and I will go ahead and fr- and, and trade someone like tra- – you could trade Dalvin for, for yeah. Javante if, if, if that team is a contender and they're still trying to, you know, chase the playoffs, chase the ship. They need a running back. They need a replacement. So it's a buy window That's right. for Javante Williams. 
That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any any sort of aging running back that's still productive, you can package that, get younger for next year, lose this year because you'll have Javante scoring zero for you, your pick increases in value, all the all that rebuilding stuff. You know, it's it's all there. And I, I think that the 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 analysis is pretty simple on Javante. I wonder, you know, Melvin Gordon probably is the bell cow here, but uh, it's going to be interesting. I don't even know if you want the bell cow in this awful Denver offense. This Denver situation really unraveling fast um, with Tim Patrick going down, Albert Okoibunum, uh not playing, which means I don't think he's right. Um, I don't think he's just played that bad where they've, they've just taken him off the field. I think he's probably not right. I saw him not moving very well. He had a leg brace on at one point. There hasn't been very much word about Alberto and, and, and an injury, but something just ain't right. But if he's bad or injured, doesn't matter. It's bad. Uh, Tim Patrick, bad. Russell Wilson's been really below average. Sometimes he's okay, but it's not been good. So the coaching has been suspect. So the whole situation in Denver – I don't know, man. Just a depressing deal if you're a Broncos fan. Well, how many seasons have we seen Russell Wilson start really, really cold? And we had this same conversation. True that. We, it's, it's happened a lot. And even with all of their injuries, they still have a very good supporting, cla- uh, supporting cast around Russell Wilson. And I just I don't believe that this is the year where he he just falls off a cliff. I just don't. I still think that he's a good player, and I don't know why. I don't know why he has some seasons where he doesn't start, you know, as hot as we would like to. But we have seen it, and he get he gets on a streak and he's balling out. And so maybe you got a new team, you got a new system. Maybe he's still working out the kinks. So he's another one where I'm like, if I, I'm not really scared now, you might be one in whatever, but I, I still, I still like Russell Wilson. I still think that he's going to be able to figure it out because he's had these issues in the past. If you look at his, uh, home stretch weeks, 13 through even 18, you know, I know it doesn't say everything, but it basically is just, uh, you know, on, on, on sleeper, it shows green, orange or red, like basically green is a good matchup. Orange is not so good. Red is bad. Look, it's all green. At Baltimore, Kansas City, Arizona, at the Rams, at Kansas City. It's like, I know those teams sound like they're tough teams, but it's actually, they're going to be scoring and and passing the ball. So those are opportunities for him to really have a a good stretch run. And even before then, it's like Indianapolis at the Chargers. The Chargers haven't been doing much. The Jets at home, at Jacksonville, at Tennessee, Las Vegas. I mean, it's it's not that tough a schedule, so it could all turn around for him. I, I tend to agree. Uh, but, I'm looking but at the 2018. Uh, yeah, I just found some uh, historical stats. Looking at the 2018 season where he went 20, 14, 15, 8, 19, and then went 20, 23, 19, 26, and was you know a little more consistent after that. Actually, he was he continued to be inconsistent, but he's had these instances where he just starts yeah. really slow. I'm looking at 2017, eight fantasy points, 15 fantasy points <laughs> in week two, then 33, 27. Uh, followed yeah, by yeah. 11, then 26, 35, 23, 19, 30, 23. So he's had some issues being streaky in the past. He, he's got to get warmed up. He's got to be in a marriage before he gets hot and bothered. You know what I mean? He's got to he's got to really really warm his his gears before it before it all Ooh. happens for him. Yeah. Uh, sorry, that's a anyway. So hey, by the way, my Detroit Lions, my Detroit Lions. You're worth it. You can you can have them. No no no, they're your you Detroit Lions, baby. But I yeah, look at. <laughs> <laughs> if this is a video and he's like oh, just 
I just put him in a certain space. Yo, this was good. I have, I have, I have Felix a little shook right now. <laughs> Listen, so the, you can find this game. I think it was like 1998, 1999. Maybe it was before that because uh, Scott Mitchell was the quarterback. They were taking on the Bengals. I was sitting in the lower bowl right around the 40-yard line or so. They went into overtime, and Scott Mitchell throws a pick six to end the game. I cr- ripped his his page out of the program and threw it on the field, and I was crying walking <laughs> to the car. And that is how the Detroit Lions have been. Um, uh, ha- you know, That's how respectful they've been of my fandom since 1996, 1997, somewhere around there. And they continue to lose the same way. They get down, and then they come back. Here are the, the cardiac cats coming back for the comeback. And, yes. Uh, but I do like some of the foundations of that. Their offensive line is one of the best, uh, I want to say, in the country. Yes. This is NFL. So in the league, one of the best in the league. You can say country. I, lo- I love it. I, yeah. love, I love their – well, Gary Moeller, one-time head coach of the Detroit Lions who just passed away recently, he was a, the coach for Michigan and then went over to Detroit. He used to call his his veterans upperclassmen and would talk about them in the yeah. college sense. <laughs> Any, anyway, right. no, but they have they have some pieces. We haven't even seen Jameson Williams yet. I love G- DJ Chark and Amon Ra St. Brown, his second – and second and third options, or I'm on Brown as, as the fir- first option. I love their offensive line. They're the highest scoring fantasy team in the in the uh, in the league. Once they get a quarterback, once saying. they get C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, it's going to be wheels up for them. Not just in the fantasy sp- sense because they're already scoring in a lot, real life. In in yes. real life, getting wins. Yes, getting wins. They they do need a defense as they've given up a ton of points, even to kind of. I mean, they played the Eagles. Washington Vikings Seahawks and they've given up you know 35 27 24 45 so the defense is suspect for sure but you know what you can fix a defense in an offseason you really can you know a couple key pieces you can get there you know they're gonna have some draft picks they can get there I believe they can get there they need a quarterback look the quarterback right now is just is playing well enough I mean Jared Goff is fine of course I've made the half joke half you know serious uh plea to get Gardner Minshew in there just so I can have Dan Campbell and Gardner Minshew running a team together and it's if they're going to be one and three doing what they're doing they might as well have fucking sideburns and jean jackets and or jean shorts and all this you know go for it you know yeah that that defense being bad as a result of Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia just really screwing things up the one thing that that regime did is they wanted every player to be able on the defensively to play multiple positions so you had defensive Mm. tackles who were 275 pounds that could play inside and outside but they did both poorly you had linebackers who could Mm. put their hand in the dirt and rush the passer but they did both poorly so uh and that's why you know Matt Patricia went and took Jelani Tavai to to New England good riddance take them because uh I hated I hated the way they did that in between system all the players that they drafted, they wanted safeties who could cover. So their safeties were – they had all of these guys who didn't – they were all tweeners. They drafted tweeners, and their defense is terrible as a result of it. And so now they've got some building blocks there too. They need some defensive tackles. We need some 320-pounders along that defensive line so we can stop the run. And then we'll have – we'll be cooking with something uh, uh, after we get that in place. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt. I I just love that team. I think they're fun as hell. I love the coach. I mean, I don't know if he's any good. I don't really give a shit. You know, I'm just into this team. I think they're fun to cheer for. I, I was telling everybody preseason, watch out for them. You know, I thought there could be some sneaky fantasy goodness. There's way more than I thought. Um, I thought they'd be fun as hell. They are that. They're entertaining. The coach is entertaining. So at the very least, the way I look at it is if you're going to have a shitty team, that's the exact shitty team you want. There's no doubt. 
like, you know, lots of hope, lots of young players, Jamison Williams, I'm on raw, like Swift, like this whole thing. It's like cool. The offensive line is good. I just love it. So bravo to you, Detroit. You're one in three, but you're the People best damn one in three. Team. I've ever seen. They, I, there is all this love for Detroit because they are not a threat. That's why folks yeah, love them. That's right. They're like, oh, they're not a threat. That's just the fun Detroit Lions. They're just fun. That's why they're getting all Big this go. love this year. Dude, I love it though. I'm in. I'm I'm ready. I'm gonna turn it around with you. We're gonna be cheering for them in two years. They're gonna win a Super Bowl. It's happening. Let's go. Um, a team that might be arrow up. I, I, I'm curious what you think, especially of like right now the skill positions in Pittsburgh. You know, I said to fade Najee. I was a real skeptic. Uh, that that turned out to be very very correct. I didn't really like any of the skill positions. I didn't like DJ or you know Pickens at ADP. But now that uh, Kenny Pickett is going to be starting at quarterback. They've announced that, which is, you know, four games too too late. Um, do you think everything is arrow up or do you think it's a little bit more of the same or, or what are your thoughts here? Cause that, that is, this team is the opposite. Their offensive line is dog shit. Um, it can't be worse than what they had with Mitch Trubisky. Right. I think that, you know, right. I think that uh, Kenny Pickett offers some of the same things with the ability to move, but maybe he's not yes. as shell shocked as a Trubisky would be. And I think you, right. I think you brought it, uh, brought it up with, with with Pickens and their supporting cast there. You know, Chase Claypool, he can do some damage sometimes. That that team, except for the offensive line, you know they've they got things to they got things to work with there. Yeah. Um, yes. It's a tough division though. That is a tough. Right. That is a tough division. I don't know. I I don't have a good answer. I was skeptical about about Kenny Pickett coming out but i was skeptical right. about josh allen and his ability to right. translate to the game i was skeptical about um jalen hurts and look where where they're at now so that's a position that's uh the fantasy community thinks that they thinks that they've they've got it and they know what they're talking about and maybe we don't so right. what was kenny Pickett in Superflex drafts this year was it was he even a top five pick was he a top sometimes what, eight, it depended eight sometimes? yeah it depended yeah. i mean yeah top eight right um, I snagged, snagged him in a couple like 14 team super flex leagues in the mid first. And I felt really good about it. I feel even better about it now. Mm-hmm. I traded in one league. I'm rebuilding Tom Brady straight up for Pickett. That feels really good right now. Um, you know, so I think Pickett was not as highly valued. And I think his value is going up. Obviously, now he's going to be a starting quarterback. And, you know, it's funny how that is like. I've been thinking about some of the the buy lows and like go buy DeAndre Hopkins right now. He's gonna play soon. And yeah, like people man. are gonna be like, yeah. oh yeah, that's right. DeAndre Hopkins is fucking awesome. You know what I mean? Right now he could be thrown in something, like, you know, there's just uncertainty and stuff for him like in that. A so a couple of places. But with with regard right? to Pickett, if you're gonna be a young quarterback, yeah. It seems like it would be easy to develop with players who have like the the catch radius of a George Pick uh, of a George Pickens of a Chase Claypool, Claypool. and we're not even the, talking the about how to get open like Deontay like Johnson. Deontay Johnson and then out of the backfield with Najee Harris. So I mean yeah. Yeah, and, and a solid tight end in Fryermuth who is yeah, able to absorb a lot of yeah. targets and 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 catch everything and you know I mean he's just a solid player right so I as mean as long I think as he's, got he's weapons comfortable the throwing the ball while he's getting hit he's gonna be fine yeah yes because he will be getting hit that's right I it, like you said off on the outset it can't be worse than 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 Trubisky I don't think it will be you know I think we immediately saw what I was afraid of change which was Trubisky wasn't going to be able to hit Pickens Pickens was dead in the water with Trubisky and 
I'm not sure about him with Pickett, but I'm way more sure about him with Pickett than I was with Trubisky. So I think arrow up for pick uh, for Pickens, which you know sort of already showed itself early. So uh, it's going to be hard to go buy him. But I think he might be a buy if people are still a little bit skeptical about George Pickens because he's a he's a dog, as they say. And let me give Speaking a shout out to Matt Caraccio and George Pickens because George Pickens was falling to the the middle of the second round for a lot of people in dynasty rookie drafts, and he was somebody out there saying that you got to take this guy like at pick at one hundred eight or, or or so, and he yeah. was absolutely right. Matt Caraccio yeah. of the Saturday to Sunday podcast. Yeah. Well, I mean, I yeah, I you know, and I, I whether correctly or incorrectly, we're going to find out. But I had him ahead of Jamison Williams. We'll see if that's a, a, a correct take or an incorrect take. So, yeah, I was with him uh, in that regard because I just felt like Pickens was like such a – I just didn't see him being a failure in the league, if that makes any sense. You know, I wasn't sure what his ceiling was based on the fact that he's an outside player and, you know, we've seen some of those pro, th- those type of uh, prototypes, um, you know, disappoint. But, um, you know, we'll see. Uh, I, I, I still think it's arrow up for basically everybody in Pittsburgh, <laughs> you know, including the fan base. Um you know, Isaiah McKenzie got his coconut fucking rocked this past weekend, but he did, man. He, he said it was the hardest hit he's ever taken in the NFL. And, um, you know, he's in the concussion protocol and, you know, uh, Jamison Crowder broke his ankle. So he's done his own ankle. He didn't break anybody else's ankle. He hasn't done that in like four years, but he broke his own ankle. And so he's out. And so the, the C's now part for Isaiah McKenzie, but he needs to be able to be able to see the ocean before he can go play. Um, he's a little bit dizzy. I don't know if he plays this week, but as soon as he's back on the field, he goes into full-time Cole Beasley mode, but I think he's – he may be better, man. He's going to be that full-time slot. He's an absolute buy high, if you will, especially for a win-now team. I think he's going to have a very, very big season if he can stay healthy. What are your thoughts about Isaiah McKenzie going forward? Well, is it either him or is it going to be James Cook? Is James Cook going to develop out of the backfield and be kind of that outlet? No. No? I don't think so. You don't think so? They don't trust him. You know, they just don't trust him. I, I mean, I feel like if it was going to be James Cook, it was going to be some of James Cook along the way. They, they just, but historically, I, we always see rookies yeah. play better, like in the second well, half yeah. of the season, than they have True. in the first. And, you know, Cook's first carry, a fumble. But we know that he, I mean, that's why he was drafted, was to be a yes. safety blanket for Josh Allen. And what, what's Isaiah McKenzie's best fantasy season been up until this point? Is I mean, we got a lot of data on Isaiah McKenzie. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't. I, I I would feel comfortable starting him in that offense if I'm in a deeper league and you want to put him in a flex. I wouldn't have a problem with that. But I just think that the it could be James Cook because that is what they drafted him. Is those types yes. they operate in the same area? It's just that one is playing from the slot and one is coming out of the backfield. But that intermediate short checkdown area—that's where both of these players are going to are, are going to operate. Yes, yeah, and I would imagine that you know if um, it, with with Crowder out, you know, and, and McKenzie out, I mean, you know, you're going to see Shakir in the game, I guess, or Kumro. I mean, Gabe Davis kind of put up a stinker. He's been hurt, and then he had a couple drops this past week, so. He's probably a buy low too because I mean you know he's going to have these boom weeks. We already talked about Gabe. Or is it just going to be Diggs getting 20, 25 targets a game? Because we've seen well, that we said it. I mean Diggs season. was going to be one hundred and fifty targets this year. Like you could put that in magic marker. You know, I mean it was like there was just no doubt dude was going to get targeted. So that that persists and Diggs is going to be a stud this year. Let's talk about a couple of uh, you know of, of players that are on the other side uh, before we get to our awesome twenty twenty three breakdown. Um, 
Antonio Gibson. Um, I'm I'm thinking that this is a sell low opportunity. I don't know, man. The, the, this guy scares the heck out of me. Brian Robinson said to have a chance at playing week five, which is crazy. Um, you know, if not, it sounds like he's probably going to play week six. Okay, great. So he's coming back soon. They don't seem to trust Antonio Gibson in the two minute offense. And it, when, when they're behind, I mean, he doesn't play, you know, he's just not playing all downs and distances. Um, so when this guy comes back, Brian Robinson, He's going to get squeezed from all angles, and I'm not so sure Antonio Gibson is going to be worth very, very much on a bad team. You know where he doesn't get the early down work. I mean, excuse me, where he doesn't get the the, the comeback uh, work and the two minute work and all that stuff. He just gets the you know the goal line, which there's not that much of it, and he might not even get goal line with Brian Robinson. I am petrified. What are your thoughts? Well. Coaches, they can't kind of lie to us in some of the moves that they make. I think J.D. McKissick was a free agent last year, and they brought him back, right? And then, yep, they, and, then right. They, and then they draft Brian Robinson. And then who's returning returning kicks in the preseason? Antonio Gibson. Who's returning yeah. kicks in the preseason? It's, I mean, it's it's Antonio Gibson. So, and I mean, I think it was stated that Brian Robinson, before he had that unfortunate accident, that, um, that he was going to be the starter or getting – starter shares yeah we liked antonio gibson's athleticism coming out of college we like his profile being a former wide receiver but he hasn't been able to put it together he may be a second contract guy where he goes to a a team and kind of develops a role uh uh, that way but unfortunately it's just not all coming for coming together for him um there there in washington that needs offensive production and they're just not getting it from him yeah, we're going to talk about this when we get to the 2023 prospects, but it's been something I've been thinking about. Just, you know, there's <clears throat> there's a lot of smart minds in the fantasy industry who have who have touched on this, and it's where zero running back, the theory of zero running back comes from. It's running back fragility. And, and, and it's not just when people hear running back fragility, they think running backs get hurt a lot. Yes, that's one part of fragility, but the other part of it is like, you know, they're 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 here today, gone tomorrow. You know, you don't see you do see some long careers. Yes, you do, but you also see some like just flashes in the pan where it's like, oh, one season they're here, next season they're gone. And there's a there's a million different examples of this. I don't feel like I need to recite them all, but if you have a brain in your head, you can be like, oh, that is kind of true. Um, you know, you just think about all the running backs who have just had a one or two year career. Yeah. Never mind a, a you know, right? So that's part of why in Dynasty you want to build around the, the wide receivers because generally these wide receivers don't have one or two year careers. Um, they either sort of make it and, and last or, you know, they, they flame out immediately, which is fine, you know. But um, you don't see a lot of guys who are like a top 12 wide receiver one year and then never heard from again. That's fucking rare. So if ever, I don't, it never fucking happens, you know. So the idea here is that maybe you should be really leaning into this running back fragility idea. And I would just say too, if you're, if you're not going to compete, sell all your top 20 assets, because it's like so funny because every year we think we know what the hell we're talking about. And it, it, you know, Kyle Pitts and all these guys, next thing you know, they're not worth shit. Not that <laughs> Kyle Pitts isn't worth shit, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, you go, you know, this guy's going to be the, the, a monster this year. And then he fades off. So, you know, I don't know. Man. I traded, I'm just getting really I traded and Michael ch- yeah. chiming in here. I traded Travis Fulgham at the height of Travis Fulgham for a 2023 first 
And now, oh my God. now where is Travis? Yeah. I had no idea. Where is Travis Fulgham playing? If you held a gun <laughs> to my head, I would not be able to tell you where he's playing now. He, I think he is technically on a roster, but yeah, you're right. And it's just funny like that. Like you just never know. So now we're going to talk about a couple players that are, are these guys panic? Are you panicked? Because some of them I am. Some of them are, I'm already flushing down the toilet. Others I'm not panicked at all. So I'm going to start at the top. I just mentioned Kyle Pitts. So you can do you can answer the question however you want. One to ten panic meter. I don't really give a shit. We're not playing a gimmick here. But I'm just saying, like when it comes to Kyle Pitts, are you panicked or not panicked at all? I'm not panicked in a dynasty sense, not at all. I mean, yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier that I'm a Lions fan. Early in his career, Calvin Johnson, they could not get him going. Um, it's because right. he was playing out on the boundary and, you know, cornerbacks can use the sideline and a safety to kind of cover the top of him. And eventually they brought him into the slot, d- used him on screens and reverses and gave him two-way goes from the slot so that he could get um, j- just – almost like a free throw for a, a three-point shooter getting in rhythm so he can get in rhythm. I yeah. think eventually, eventually Kyle pitches. He's one. I mean, he's, he, he, he was drafted where he was drafted for a reason. I think he's going to eventually get going. I have no concerns about him whatsoever from a dynasty perspective, but Marcus Mariota is the quarterback there in Atlanta and his backup is dead. Is, yeah. Desmond, is Desmond Ritter. So that's a concern potentially, but, that is know, concern. Dante, but Dante Culpepper and Dan Orvlosky was, were once Calvin Johnson's quarterbacks. So, yeah. you know, maybe if you have, you know, another option at, at, um, at tight end, you're considering starting, uh, uh, that, but tight end is such a cr- crap shoot. Maybe I know, it's so probably, funny, isn't it? You probably yeah. don't have, have a better <laughs> option. Right. So you got to keep yeah, you know, taking you're, your You're lumps. putting you Austin Hooper in there for him. Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 Or, yeah. or, or TJ, or TJ, maybe you have, maybe you're considering TJ Hawkinson. I don't know. Had to, but, for um, sure. but no, I don't have any concerns about him whatsoever. Uh, from a long-term perspective, we saw him line up in line. We saw him line up outside uh, uh, in college and we saw him test as athletically as he did. And that's kind of what you need to be a, a, a fantasy tight end so yeah yeah i don't but i don't get the sense that the community overall is down on him from a dynasty perspective like you can't go by well you would still have to pay two firsts or more to get kyle pitts off of somebody's roster yeah i i I think there may be some creative trades where you could wrestle away kyle pitts at this point especially if it's a contender you know a team that was like you know they're they had kyle pitts in their lineup like dude fucking a dude we're gonna roll this you know and all of a sudden now they're two and two three and one they still have aspirations their rosters dope elsewhere and they're like you know you could probably fashion a trade where you know you're giving up a, you know even kelsey you know i mean you could center something around a kelsey situation with a little bit here and there and if you're a rebuilder and kelsey's just not doing it for you that's the type of pivot you could probably make i would imagine that if you're selling kyle pitts you'd want to you know i mean because if you're a rebuilder you're you don't care you're just like fine he'll be he'll be good eventually i'll wait for the value to bounce back up but if you're a contender you may be panicking a little bit so that's the only the only spot i could see maybe taking advantage of it as a contender who's starting to panic but yeah i'm with you uh you know no panic in me either how about george kittle i mean started the season hurt and hasn't been targeted that much i mean is this a panic situation no, or do you think he'll just no, bounce no. back and we'll be good? No. I mean, I, I th- so in that system, you know, your tight ends do a lot of blocking. So I would have an issue if he wasn't on the field doing that for Kyle Shanahan, you know, when they run these wide zone play action plays. 
Um, but he, he didn't have an early season. Like you said, he has been injured. Um, I no, I have no concerns whatsoever about him either. My only concerns about him has been health. Like, is he going to be on yeah. the field? I've had to take yeah. some of those two point games, those four point games also at the tight end from position, but I'm going to keep starting him. I'm going to keep, now yeah. they got Jimmy G. He's got familiarity with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe I would have been a yes. little bit more concerned when, and think about that first game. I don't know if he played in that first game against Chicago. He did not. Okay, but even if he did, I mean, that game was like how wet it was and the offenses were terrible right. in that one. So, um, no, I, I think he's going to get get it going too. I'm going to keep – I have him in a lot of pl- – I've traded for him in a lot of places. Uh, so that's how confident I am that he's going to be able to get it going. I really hope he does because I've got him in some leagues where there's a lot of money on the line and I'm starting him every week. Uh, little little small little insert here. I am actually uh, looking to buy Elijah Mitchell right now. Mm. I think that there's been enough uncertainty. You know, there's no Jordan Mason uh, ascendant. Uh, there's no TDP ascendants. Jeff Wilson is just a guy. They've signed Mar- Marlon Mack. I mean, if if Elijah Mitchell is healthy by the end of the year, I actually think he might be the a league winner type. So if you're a contender and you can find a way to to get Elijah Mitchell on your team, I don't think it's a bad move at all because as you point out, this team is, you know, going to run the same shit they've been running for however long Shanahan's been alive. And uh and I think he'll be the the recipient of that uh down the stretch and in your fantasy playoffs if he's healthy, which, you know, what the hell do I know? Again, also me, not a doctor. So the last two games he played George Kittle has played ninety one and ninety four percent of the snaps. He's eventually going to get these targets. They're going to come along. And that's really all you can hope for at the tight end position. We know at that position you have to take some lumps. So you got to be patient with someone like George Kittle who can run after the catch. I mean, he can have a a 10-yard catch and then turn it into a 50-yard touchdown. So you got to be patient with somebody like George Kittle. I am in a lot of spots. I got Cameron Brayton, and George Kittle in a lot of places, and I continue to start George Kittle because of that ceiling. Yeah, I think it was Dwayne McFarlane that mentioned. Um, I hope it was him. I'm, uh, you know, he said like if you're if you're a tight end and you're playing eighty uh, percent of the snaps, you're almost always a top ten uh, tight end. You know, and it's like so all you have to do is look at snaps in a lot of situations. If a guy is on the field, he'll end up with with production, as you're pointing out. So that's a, that's a great point. Like sometimes you just have to wade through the, the 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 junk. I mean, you know, hey, he got five targets and four targets. It's not awful. It's not good, by the way, but it's not awful. He just did nothing with him. He's like at like, you know, like he's just done nothing. He's got like 28 and 24 yards. Like that's not George Kittle. Oftentimes he's breaking big ones and he's he's getting into the open field. He just hasn't done that yet. I don't know if it's the injury, whatever. It doesn't really matter because we know he's going to eventually kind of do that. So I'm 100% with you. Um, not too worried or panicked about George Kittle. Here's one that I am very, very worried about, my friend. Uh, at least – for the short term, I've got some hope here, but let's first pour the dirt on Cam Akers. What's going on? Are you worried about this? Yeah, I am. Um, yep. I don't know. I am worried about him. I didn't think that he had great athleticism coming into uh, the league. And, I, you know, he's someone that I thought would could potentially be a bell cow. Um, but now he's yeah. got the injury. Now he's splitting uh, carries with a player who, quite frankly, is probably more explosive than he is. At this yep. at, at this point, and offers uh, also a dual threat skill set who can also catch the ball. Um, yep. And that offense overall is taken like a with Matthew Stafford's injury, they're not as explosive as they once were. We're not seeing Matthew Stafford throw the ball uh, 
uh, down the field as much and really opening up defenses. So I am, we got two running backs who had Achilles injuries and one in, in Cam Akers and one in James Robinson. I just don't believe James Robinson had an Achilles injury. There's no way that he had an Achilles injury. So I, I, I am concerned about him because I can't see a path to a bell cow role for him. And Agreed. let's not, let's not forget that they drafted, um, the kid from Notre Dame, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. Kyron uh, Williams. K- yes, Kyron Williams, who offer, also offers that kind of dual threat skill set. So they, so the Rams have kind of communicated to us that, you know, maybe there's they don't have faith in Cam Akers being fully healthy um, because they wanted to round out that backfield. So I do yeah, have – That's right, yeah. Yeah, I do yeah, have concerns. Right. I do have concerns with him. I don't know that you can start him regularly. Yeah, exactly. I think week one was a signal of, of of bad things. I mean, I'd feel a certain type of way if he were just playing but not getting it done because actually that would stand to reason the offense has been in shambles. No matter who the fuck the running back is, the offensive line isn't very good. They're basically Cooper Cup or bust. Like there's nothing else going on. Higby's been a good, reliable target, but like Alan, we're going to get there in a minute. Next Next up, Allen Robinson. Uh, he's, he, you can't pour any dirt on him because all the dirt's already on top of him. But Cam Akers, you know, it's like if he were playing a lot and playing through this stuff and they just trusted him, that'd be one thing. But they didn't trust him in week one. They haven't trusted him for more than 50% of the snaps in any single game this year. Mm-hmm. And he's not performing. It could be because he's not good. That's possible. But even if he is, it doesn't even really matter because the, the team isn't very good. The offensive line isn't very good. And so there's other you know, corresponding issues, not just whether or not Cam Akers is or isn't good. Do they trust him? You know, is the offense any good? Is the offensive line any good? Are there, are there any running lanes? You know, there, there's a lot of concerns there. And as the clock ticks by, if this year is a wasted year, what happens next year? Do they draft a guy? Is he now in a timeshare? I mean, as you point out, the pathway to bell cow status for Akers is closing and closing fast. As we talk about with running back fragility, you're seeing it right now with Cam Akers. Very, very fragile uh, situation for Cam Akers. Uh, when, it, when it comes to Allen Robinson, I think that this is basically a dust situation. I don't think there's anything else, man, because he is just not performing. He He's on the opposite side of, of Cooper Cup. you got to figure that teams are I – mean, first of all, how can you not be forcing all targets away from Cooper Cup? Like literally just like – you know how they in basketball you play the box in one where the whole defense plays a certain type of way and then one guy just fucking covers, covers one guy one no matter guy. what the fuck he does? Right. They should just do that. I mean, just one motherfucker on him, and then everybody else is still playing. Like, you play a 10-man defense, but one dude just is like, hey, Cooper, how you doing? Wherever the fuck you go, that's me. I'm right next to you. Like, why not just totally take this guy away? Because they literally have nothing else. I'd love to see, like, if I were a defense playing against him, I'd be like, let's see if they have anything else, like literally anything else. So in 2021, Matthew Stafford's yards per attempt was 8.1. In 2020, it was 7.7. 7. And in 2019, it was uh, 6.8. This year, it's – excuse me, it was 8.6. This year, it's right. 6.8. It's under 7 yeah. for the first time since 2018. And I right. think that that's, that's by virtue of his, his injury. This elbow injury is really limiting this offense. And where are we – where do we want – Allen Robinson to make plays. I think we want him to make plays, you know, above the rim, down the field. They aren't even attempting those types of throws anymore. It's a lot of, you know, three-step drop type, quick release type stuff. And that's just not where, 
we that's not the type of, of passes that we need Allen Rob that Allen Robinson is going to get. So um, until yes. Matthew Stafford is healthy and can challenge defenses down the field, I don't think that we're going to see um, Allen Robinson utilized the way he needs to. Now, maybe once you get to the red zone and they can put it up for him in in um, uh, fades and stuff like that, but they but it doesn't seem like. Matthew Stafford is is going to be as aggressive this season as we've seen in seasons past. I mean, it, that first game, um, I forgot who they played that first game, but he everything was short, and there was only like one or two deep shots, and his arm, the ball came out of that hand fluttering. So I think that that elbow is really, really bothering him. As tough as Matthew Stafford is, I don't think that yes. you can deny the fact that um, it's it's – Limiting his ability to make some of those throws that we saw him make to Calvin years ago where he's throwing these rainbows down the field. I agree, but like even I think if you said, oh, hey, guess what? There was an NFL trade. The uh, Kansas City Chiefs traded um, Marquez Valdez-Scantling for Allen Robinson straight up. I don't know that I'd be like, well, here we go, Allen Robinson. It's going to be great. I'd be like, hmm. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I I'm would, not like – I would. I think I would be course. in on that. Yeah. No, but I mean, if that, that's like the perfect, like you'd be like, what? And yeah. even still, I'd be like, okay. I mean, <laughs> like, is he, is it really going to be awesome? Cause I'm not so sure. I'm just not so sure. Like, I'm not so sure this guy can get open anymore. I mean, maybe it's just, I don't know. We've seen it with guys like Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay is, is complete dust. I mean, I would put Kenny Galladay on this list, but it doesn't, it's, it's irrelevant. It's well, not it, even. It used to be that Matthew Stafford for a guy like Kenny Galladay, uh, Kenny Galladay should send Matthew Stafford some of his that $72 million contract Absolutely. because he would he would throw it to you even if you were covered. He would throw it to you yes. down the field. That's why he's thrown as many interceptions as he has. But he just doesn't have the physical ability to do that this year. So Allen, Allen Robinson is not getting those opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, there's no, there's no doubt. He is not converting on those opportunities either. Uh, another guy, uh, you know, two more, and then we're, we'll move on to the 2023 class just quickly. Uh, any any concern for, <clears throat> excuse me, Rashad Bateman? No, I'm going to steal this uh, this stat from Jordan Becks at, uh, there at Destination Debbie. Rashad Bateman is fourth in the NFL in yards per route run. He only trails Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, and uh, A.J. Brown. I think this is a very good offense. Um, I, I think that you got to kind of take your lumps with Rashad Bateman, just kind of like you have to with with George Kittle. But the plays are going to be there. Lamar Jackson is playing at an MVP level now. We know, now the thing we know we know with Lamar Jackson that um, that he likes the middle of the field. That's why Mark Andrews is so valuable. We've seen him have success with Hollywood Brown there, and I think that we are going going to see. Uh, eventually Rashad Bateman have success in similar areas of the field. Those passes that Hollywood Brown was dropping, we're going to see Rashad Bateman convert some of those with a quarterback who's playing at an MVP level. Fair enough. I mean, you know, the snap share was a little bit concerning for Bateman, but, you know, hey, I think he's going to be fine too. I'm not too worried. Another player that we may be a little bit more worried about, um, Travis Etienne, what are your thoughts here? Worried, not worried? Do you think it comes back around at some point? you think they're just easing him in? Or is he more of a situational player? I mean, here's the thing, right? I'll ask it this way because this is actually a fun way to think about it. He is on this spectrum of running back that's like on the top end, it's like DeAndre Swift, Alvin Kamara. And on the bottom side, it's like 
You know, then it goes through like James Cook and down to like Naheem Hines, J.D. McKissick. He's on that. You know, that's what he's supposed to be. But is he closer to like a spell back J.D. McKissick, Naheem Hines guy? Or is he closer to a DeAndre Swift, um, you know, Alvin Kamara type, but he just can't get enough playing time? I mean, what the hell is going on with Travis Etienne? I was never a fan of Travis Etienne. As far as uh, I know, know, some first round running back talent, I just never was. I thought his attributes were very much overstated. You know, he's a a Mm. speed back who we don't necessarily always see break off long runs. I don't know that he maybe he's closer to like a Tevin Coleman. There you go. There you go, Tevin yeah. Coleman. Because because I don't see him ever have like the lateral agility to break to yeah. you know, beat a linebacker inside. And quite frankly, like I. This this type of player, they have to be someone who excels in the passing game, right? When you're a, a player that you're going to get in space. And I don't see that from Travis Etienne either as far as being um, uh, where we can expect him to be competent in the passing game. James Robinson is going to be a better option there too. So, no, I, I, I'm panicking on Travis Etienne, but I didn't like him in the first place. I would, I don't have him anywhere. I did not draft him anywhere. I don't have any C2Cs. I don't have him in any dynasty leagues. He's just not a player that I gravitated towards because I thought that his pluses, whatever they were, were, were very much overstated. Well, absolutely. And, you know, your take on Travis Etienne pre-draft is exactly why you're here today. And without further ado, the reason people are tuning in is to hear me ask you, not for me to talk anymore, but for you to tell us about this 2023 class. We've heard about the class for a long period of time. We've got a little bit of time to talk about it. We probably should have left more time to talk about it, but I don't give a shit. This is going to be the best. So tell me straight off the bat what you think this 2023 class is. Like, you know, legendary, very good, Good average. Where do you think it falls? Just to, if you had to throw a, throw a dart on a one to ten scale. Well, I think people knew to trade for twenty twenty three first, and we knew that the running back class yes. was very good. But but I think that it's gotten even deeper with some names that we haven't talked about, like Evan Hall. I think that uh, Deuce Vaughn out of Kansas State, who's very much like a Darren Sproles type. I didn't think that he was necessarily an NFL player. But I kind of think that he is now. Like, if you're going to draft James Cook where you draft James Cook, Deuce Vaughn, he's a smaller package but can do all the stuff that that he could do. So um, I think that there's lots of reasons to be excited about this class. The quarterback class is, like, too deep. But wide receiver, running back, even tight end, I think that there are some reasons to say, all right, these – the 2023 uh, first-round picks and the second-round picks, there's going to be a lot, a lot of value there. Um especially excited about the running back class. That's how we went in fantasy is running back. And, and right. I think that this class is going to rival that Jonathan Taylor, Clyde Edwards, Lair, DeAndre Swift, AJ Dillon is going to rival that class. Awesome. Because that, that, that class was great. We did get, you know, an Achilles injury to acres. We got a, an ACL to Dobbins. We got cement shoes with Clyde Edwards, Lair. I mean, it was a, a lot of things happened to really hold that class back. Um, j- joking with CEH fans. He's fine. He's fine. But um, Dylan came out of there. That was a really good class. You know, um, we missed on Zach Moss and Keyshawn Vaughn, but essentially that was a, a loaded class of running backs. This year, I want you to do me a favor. We're going to talk about the top five at each position real quickly. I think I know who you're going to say is the number one. It doesn't really have to be one through five, but essentially, who do you think is at this moment the number one running back 
in the class 2023. It's B. John Robinson, and it's been B. John Robinson since he was a freshman. So, you know, he can do everything. He's probably a Saquon Barkley-level prospect. I don't know that he's a Saquon Barkley-level athlete, but you're talking about 220 pounds who can catch the ball. His game against Alabama, he didn't have 100 yards uh, rushing, but he had 73 yards receiving, and one of those passes was like a wheel route where he had to turn and contort his body and reach back behind his head and catch it. So he inspires confidence at all levels of the field. People, people have known Bijan. People are asking right now, like, who's the RB one in Dynasty? And people are answering Bijan Robinson. So people have known yeah. that for a while. You were trading, trying to get that one hundred and one in the twenty twenty three class, very much so, so that you could draft Bijan Robinson. And nothing has really changed. Nothing has really changed. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I mean, I, you know, certainly everything that you see is like it's. There's no reason to move off of that. Like he's he's still dominant. You know, he's still six yards a, a, a carry. He was eight yards a carry as a freshman on a little bit more limited touches, which is insane. But you know, he's 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 still 13 yards a carry for his a catch for his career. He's almost 20 yards a catch this year. I know that's small sample, but ultimately what the point that makes is that he's explosive when he touches the ball. Yeah. And uh, that's why he's such a, a an elite prospect because he's able to just win every time he touches the football. The question would be, hey, he definitely puts himself in that Saquon, JT, rarefied air as a prospect. Even in a super flex, is there consideration for him to be this type of a player to go over the quarterbacks? Uh, I know we're going to get to the quarterbacks, but do you think he's that level where you'd have to start thinking about him? Or do you think the top level, because there's going to be a couple of quarterbacks that get taken, you know, probably one, two in the draft or at least top five. Um, You know, do you think he's that good? So the only quarterback that I would consider taking above B. John Robinson in Superflex leagues is probably Bryce Young. But that's only if Bryce Young out of Alabama, if he was going to be a quarterback that runs the ball. Bryce Young right. is hell of a hell of an athlete. Hell of an athlete. He could run for a yes. thousand yards in this league if he wanted to, in in college or in the NFL. He does not like to run. He scrambles to throw. Right. He is a reluctant, a reluctant runner. He's going to go to the NFL combine. He's going to run a four four, just like Justin Fields did. But he doesn't run the. He does not run the ball. At least at this stage in his career, he's always scrambling right. to throw. So with that said, I feel like I feel safer with Bijan Robinson. I feel like Bijan Robinson is going to come in and be a top five ish running back right out of the gate. That, that's what I think. Uh, and he's gonna, he should be drafted to start. He's not, he's not going to be drafted to share touches like uh, the Jets did with, with um, Brees Hall. I think that he's going to be drafted to, be, to get 20, 20 carries a game. And so if I'm in super flex, I'm probably pulling the trigger on B. John Robinson 101 over C.J. Stroud, over Bryce Young. And it's, you know, the the the, the idea of drafting a, a running back in the first round of the NFL draft has become passe, although it still happens, usually more late. The last early running back to go in the first round was the aforementioned Saquon Barkley. Do you think there's a chance he goes in the top 15 or 20 picks in the NFL draft as well? I mean, I know it may not be your lane, but what do you think? Do you think the hype is there? I'm just like, who's the GM who's going to make that mistake? But the the the, the hype <laughs> yeah. is definitely there for him to be the highest drafted yeah. running back since Saquon. But you would think that eventually 
like teams are going to learn. So I, I, I was, yeah. I got to think like, who is the, like if Dave Gettleman was still, was still there. Yeah. Like, like Dave, Dave Gettleman might draft uh B. John Robinson to pair him with Saquon Barkley. You know what I mean? Like he might do something <laughs> like that, but I'm trying Balky. to think. Balky. We need okay. another running back in, in Jacksonville. I mean, let's go baby. Can yeah. never can never be too strong. Build on a strength, you know. He's definitely talented enough to be yeah. the, to be drafted in the in the top ten. I just don't know if a GM is going to. Is, I think the GMs maybe maybe have learned their their lessons from seasons prior where where that was done. So I find I find this to be a very interesting question. I don't know what you're going to say here. If you gun to your head right now, who is running back two in the 2023 class? Well, Jameer Gibbs was my running back one for a long time. So I, Woo, there yeah. we go. So. And it's just I've Jameer Gibbs can catch a hundred passes at the at the NFL level. Um, he is that yeah. talented of a pass catcher. You can line him up in the slot. You can line him up outside. The wheel routes that we've seen, like Aaron Jones run in seasons past with, with Aaron Rodgers, he can do all of that stuff. And he's a slasher as a running back, but he might be 200 pounds. Like that's the only thing. He might be a 200 right. pound guy. So um, maybe the comp isn't you know Dalvin Cook. Or, or somebody like that. Maybe the comp is uh, is Austin Eckler, who who probably has a higher BMI than than Jameer Gibbs does. But Jameer Gibbs has been my number two for a very long time, and it's because of that pass catching ability. It's he's going to be. I hope that he goes to an offense that sees. Oh yeah, this guy he should. Like the floor as far as receptions for, for him in a season should be uh, like fifty. Um, right. But he's, right. I think he's Alabama's leading receiver right now. He should be a t- he should be right up there as far as, you know, sk- being schemed and being prioritized in the passing game. You just hope that an offensive coordinator sees that in him because that's what he is. He's he can run for he can run for a thousand and, and, and pass for that. He could be that type of player at the NFL where he goes for a thousand and a thousand and a thousand. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, it's he, he, he's not Christian McCaffrey, but used in that way where he's, you know, maybe just not as many carries uh, because he can't really hold up. Although we said that about Christian McCaffrey coming out, too, and he put on the, the weight and the muscle. I mean, he changed his body. Christian McCaffrey did. I'm not saying that that Jameer Gibbs even needs to do that. You just want to you just wanted to see him used correctly, as you mentioned, a la Eckler, where Eckler gets. Look, Eckler didn't even have a thousand yards rushing yet. You know, I mean, he's still been a top five running back. You know, uh, as long as he's used in the passing game and used in high leverage situations, Jameer Gibbs, I think, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where he lands because you'd really like to see him in that sort of that right spot, you know. But um, yeah, right. I mean, uh, because it's a Travis Etienne all over again. I'm not saying that Gibbs is the same type of player, but like right now, the usage is what's killing Etienne. I mean, obviously, if he were receiving. You know that uh, you know five, six, seven, eight targets a game. ETN would change immediately. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's going to be really unfortunate if Jameer Gibbs gets drafted and is not utilized in the passing game the way he should. Yeah. I think that that's what what has happened with Saquon Barkley. Like I think Saquon should yeah. be like he should be thrown to eight, nine times a game. And not just on checkdowns and swing routes, you should actually be scheming stuff for Saquon. And he's just not utilized that way because he's 220 pounds. They've run him into the back of the line, line of scrimmage. My hope is, is that 
an offensive coordinator sees Gibbs, sees that, you know, he's a player that we probably don't want to pound in between your your center and right. guard and that they get him out in space and use him in the passing game, screens, wheel routes, arrow routes, option routes out of the backfield. He could be so dangerous. Just think about like our super rich man, Theo Riddick, who can actually run the ball. Man, I'm so excited yeah. to see this guy uh, in the NFL me too. Hopefully, paired. Do you with think a, he's a got elite speed? Like, is he is he a four four player? I mean, is he what 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 type of athlete do you think Jameer Gibbs is? I mean, if you had to guess, or do you know? I didn't think that he was a 4-4 guy until uh, last week against Arkansas. He got timed at like 22.7 miles per hour, and that means that he's a sub – he's definitely like a sub 4-5 guy. I thought that he was going sure. to be a 4-5 four, a four, guy with very good burst. But if he's hitting – if he right. like goes and runs a 4-3-8, you know, even at 200 pounds – Christian McCaffrey yeah. was only weighed in at 202 pounds when he went to the combine. So, um, no, he – I his his burst I knew was there. He's a great uh, kick returner. I didn't I didn't think that his long speed was there, but he pulled off. I mean, he had like two seventy yard runs this last week against Arkansas, and on one of those he he touched twenty two point seven miles per hour. So his speed is probably there also. But but I should say yeah. this about his game: he doesn't need long speed to be good. He's a slasher. He gets to the second level without being touched when he's at his best. He has good burst, so I'm not concerned about his athleticism. Let me ask you this question, and I'm curious what you say about this. Is he a better prospect than DeAndre Swift was? Um, that's a good question because they're such different players. I know. They're, they're so going to get different. compared, you know. They're going to get compared, but I think they are different. And I'm just curious as to whether or not you think he's a better prospect. I mean, it's a tough question, I know, but that's why you're here. I would say that Jameer Gibbs – well, Jameer Gibbs was not as highly touted a recruit, even though I liked him as a freshman. He's not – he doesn't – he has a different body type. He has a different play style. DeAndre Swift, we're still kind of using him on checkdowns and swing routes and stuff, and occasionally they'll throw him a wheel route, one of which he dropped earlier this season. Um, But is he – I would would say no because – yeah, DeAndre I think Swift that's the right answer. probably has the better running rushing profile, a much better rushing profile than Jameer Gibbs will 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 ever have. I think that's correct. I, I I appreciate the the thoughtful response because I think that's correct, and I think it's important to sort of put these guys, you know, in the in the tier ranking as you as you you know in the right spots historically. My, my, uh, comps, for, Gibbs, my but, comps for Gibbs. Yeah. I mean, my comps for Gibbs have been you know Theo Riddick. Um, uh, uh, Austin Eckler. So we're talking about a different type of player. And for both of those guys, usage has been really, really important. Being used the right way has yeah. been really, really important. What, who's next? Uh, it, you know, Jameer Gibbs two, obviously uh, Bijan one. Who's who's number three for you at this particular? Zach point? Evans. Zach, Zach Evans, Evans, the transfer from TCU to uh, Old Miss, and he's. He's very, I don't know what his weight is, but he's very, he's both of these guys, Gibbs and Evans are slashers where when they run the ball, um, it looks like some sort of ret- return is happening on, on the field. And so, um, right. uh, Zach Evans, who we haven't seen his ceiling yet in, in college, uh, uh, we, we did in spurts at TCU and we have in spurts here at Old Miss, but five star running back who has kind of everything that you would need. 
Um, I think that he can catch the ball. That's not we, we don't see him catch the ball as much as we'd like to as a, as a like a Gibbs or a uh, or a Bijan Robinson. But man, even at the your third running back off the board is a certified potential bell, certified potential bell cow who can be used in Are all sure phases about of that? the game. Are we sure about that? I, I mean, so. let me just I don't listen, I don't everybody knows I don't know shit about college football. So the cool part about me is I can ask the question and not have an opinion. I don't have an opinion yet. So I'm just going to ask the question to you and then you get to you get to figure it out cuz I don't know. All but right. what I'm going to what I'm going to say is I I look at Zach Evans and I see him listed could be erroneous but it says 5'11" 195. That is terrifying cuz that is worse than now it could be wrong but it, it that's what I see. And then I see three catches in five games so far this year. I don't know man. If a guy is that size and he's not a pass catcher, what is he in the NFL? Yeah, I just wanted to look real quick because I've got him at six foot two fifteen, um, and I just think that yeah, they're I'm just not—they're not throwing him the ball. This is a good athlete overall at the running back position. He's not. No, no, I don't think that he's you know some small between the tack, tackles grinder. Okay, I think that he. You is, think he's bigger than one ninety five for sure? Then well, Ole Miss has him listed. I was like, that didn't sound right at all. I don't know where you got that number, but it's Ole Miss has him listed at six foot two fifteen. And I mean, that's one of the things okay. that we like about him is that he is this all purpose package in an in, in an NFL body. Now, if he goes to the combine and he weighs in at. 205 or less that's going to be surprising but i've got old men i'm looking at him right now they got him at six foot 215 yeah um i'm looking at uh, what is it uh it's college football reference you know what i mean um you know pro football reference uh sports reference whatever college football thing so look it could be old that could be from when he come out of come out of uh high school so like i said that's why i asked the question because a light between the tackles grinder doesn't exist in the NFL. Like can it just I, doesn't can exist. Can I speak That's, to that for a second yeah. though? Because Please. it is important. Like we're trying to, when we play campus to camp, we're trying to project these players to the NFL. So when a player comes in as a speed guy and they weigh in at 185 as a freshman, it's like we only project them to gain about 15 pounds or so. So, even if they put on that 15 pounds, they're going to be at 200, like they're borderline, whether or not they're going to be an NFL guy. Zach Evans, as right. a recruit, came in at 5'11", 200. So it makes sense okay, there we that go. he is now you know, 5'11", 215 or so if he came in at 200 pounds. Bingo, and 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 if that's the if that's the size, you have me way more excited. So I, I'm in. So I appreciate it. That's why I asked the question because I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm looking at one source of data. Uh, obviously, we always look at um, that combine weight and that combine speed, which is why the combine is so damn important because it's a controlled setting where these guys have to weigh in and have to run at the you know at the same time basically, and and you get a little bit of that you know size speed. You know, hey, look, if they lose weight and they run fast, that's one thing. If they gain weight but they run slow, that's, you know, so they have to really show up, you know, to be able to do both things, both run and weigh on the scale. So I get it. Anyway, moving on, who is number four? I think eventually you're going to get to my guy. Well, Tank Bigsby. Is that Tank Bigsby your guy? Oh, or one Sean, of them. Or Sean I, I Tucker. Yeah, so there we are. So I, I, I like both of these guys, and I wanted to hear Tank Bigsby, I feel like, is it me or is he not getting as much buzz right now? Is that no? Uh, the Auburn me, program is in shambles. His best Tank okay. Bigsby's best season was uh, under the the prior coach on, in his freshman season. Uh, Brian Harson will be fired by the time we get to December. Um, t- I think Tank Bigsby is a uh, better version of David Montgomery. 
very much a, a between the sure. tackles grinder, but we think that he was great at catching the ball in, in high school, but hasn't been asked to do that as much in college. This is a player who can run you over. He can, he can, he has some lateral agility also, but for these, uh, for Tank Bigsby, for Zach Evans and B. John Robinson, I don't think we have any questions about their size. And so that's a, a great, like, all of these guys should be 215 pounds plus. Bijan's going to be 220. Um, Zach Evans should be 215. Tank Bigsby should be 220, 215, somewhere in there. So, um, yes. Bell cow size, yes, we haven't seen him catch the ball as much, and he hasn't been as productive. Like, I'm not, you go look at his numbers this year, and even his numbers last year, he's been kind of uh, been down year, but that program overall has been terrible. But I can see Zach Evans be drafted in the third round with a team thinking, yep, we just got our guy. We got our guy who we're going to give between 15 and 20 touches to here in the third round. But another guy that I'm not, I'm not really concerned about despite his lack of production this season, because that team, that Auburn team is terrible. And, and in terms of uh, Sean Tucker, Sean Tucker is a yeah. guy that I really like. And, you know, sometimes when I see Sean Tucker, you know, in the limited amounts of research that I've done and, in, in, you know, watching of college football, which I seldom will glance my eyes upon. Um, sometimes I see uh, Jonathan Taylor and sometimes I see uh, Chuba Hubbard. And uh, it scares me because I'm not sure which one uh, Sean Tucker is. He's probably neither. But um, which which guy is he closer to uh, Sean Tucker, you know, a, a Chuba Hubbard or a, a JT? I think he has more athleticism than Chuba Hubbard. I, he's not the laterally. Yeah. He's not the size adjusted athlete that Jonathan Taylor is. And I'm trying to right. think of a player who's in like a Correct. five foot nine, 210 pound frame who we still expect to be, to be, you know, but, but someone who can have explosive plays. Not, Explosiveness. I, yes. I don't have a comp for him at least yet. I ha- right. and I have not heard one that makes sense. But we've got times on um Sean Tucker over 21 miles per hour. This is another guy who could be a sub 4 5-ish running back yeah. and who can catch who can catch the ball also. So, um yeah. and he's I mean his production has been outstanding there there at Syracuse. So he feels like a good, not great player. Like he's just going to be a solid NFL player potentially. I, I just don't see the maybe the overall ceiling like this sort of supernova player. I don't think that's what he is, but he, I just feel like he checks a lot of boxes. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know what he was as a prospect coming into college. Obviously, he went to Syracuse, so maybe he wasn't that high high level uh, prospect coming in. What, what do you know about that? Yeah, he was a three-star prospect. If you're going to Syracuse, yep, you, you probably aren't a a high-level prospect, and he wasn't. But he's been produ- he was productive as a freshman. It's one of the reasons why yes. we gravitated towards him is he grabbed this job very, very early in his true freshman season, and has kind of never, um, never uh, uh, let it go. And Sean Tucker is a favorite. I think in the community because he's very active on Twitter. If you don't know about Sean Tucker, he posts his, uh, his stats after every single game. And he's got this hashtag plea pleased. I'm pleased with my performance is, is his saying. So uh, go definitely go check him out on Twitter, but a little engine that could, and man, I'm sitting here thinking of who I would comp him to. And I just cannot, uh, we're going to have to do a part two to this and I'm going to have a good, we comp, will. but I'm going to have to dig. I'm going to have to, dig, I'm going to have to go back as as far as size and play style, I'm gonna have to think about someone who who 
matches up well with with Sean Tucker. We're going to do part two because we're going to do part two next week because we're not going to get everywhere we want to get yeah. to today. Maybe not next week, but soon if, if you're available, whatever, we'll figure oh, it yeah. out. But we're doing part two. It's coming. Maybe in a couple weeks, whatever. But check it out. Those are the top five honorable mentions or guys that are now, you know, maybe maybe just flying a little bit below the radar that you're just keeping your eye on. Your spidey senses are up. One or two running backs that you, that you kind of saying, hey, maybe this guy. I need to give you more than one or two because I think that this class okay. is really, really deep here. So okay. Blake Corm is another smaller running back, good all-purpose guy. I have questions about his athleticism, but he's been very productive there at Michigan. I have him at number six, but I could see that changing. Evan Hall at Northwestern had a game with over 200 yards receiving – receiving for Northwestern. And I don't have questions about his size. He's another six foot, 215 pound guy. Um, who's again, who's coming out of nowhere. Noah Hills, who you've had here on this, uh, on this program pointed him out in yes. the off season. I had no, heard nobody talking about Evan Holland. He's playing great this season. He could get day two draft capital or like uh, fourth round draft capital. I would have my eyes on him. Devin, I chain at Texas tech. Yeah might be the fastest player in the country, regardless of position. He could have been an Olympic track, uh, an Olympic track star. If he wanted to, if he wanted to focus on that, then there's Deuce, like there's Deuce Vaughn who, if Deuce Vaughn was like two inches taller and 15 pounds heavier, everybody would be like, well, he might be the RB one in this class. The only concerns right. we have with him are about size. But you know what? The NFL is going to tell us what they think about Deuce Vaughn when the draft comes. If he gets day two, if he gets even fourth or fifth round draft capital, I'm going to be all in on Deuce Vaughn. No questions about what he can, he can run. The only thing that he can't do is break is like break tackles, but he's, he'll make you miss in small spaces. He's great out in space. He can catch the ball. The only thing he can't do is run through defenders. That's that's really it. right. So, um, and then there's uh, who else? Kendall Milton. Kendall Milton here at number ten. He's um, he was a five star, four, high four star running back there at Georgia. We know that Georgia likes to share carries, but a a high cut north and south between the tackles grinder. I don't know. I think that his fantasy ceiling is probably pretty low because he doesn't catch the ball. Now you, if you say that on Twitter, his dad is going to come find you and show you all these clips about him catching the ball. <laughs> I have doubts about whether Kendall Milton can be utilized in the passing game, but still, you know, a guy who could be, you know, could score 10 touchdowns in a season uh, who could, who right. could, you know, be the first and second down running back for a team, a Brian Robinson type. There you go. A Brian Robinson. Type. But, but Brian Robinson caught the football in his final season. I mean, he showed the ability. I, th- th- Brian Robinson maybe, uh, you know, starting to warm my blood a little bit in, uh, in, in the NFL. So go get him. We're going to finish with some some quarterback talk real quick. Yeah. And then we got to let you go because I know you got to get rolling. But we've got a couple more minutes. We're going to talk quarterbacks. I think I heard you say that C.J. Stroud is not – your quarterback one in this class. Is that correct? No, he is. He is my quarterback one in this class because of what he does. So, uh, CJ Stroud reminds me very much of Philip Rivers. I felt like every drop back for Philip Rivers was a five step drop and he was throwing the ball no less than eight yards down the field. Like he was throwing the ball down. He was chucking it down the field and CJ Stroud is so good. He's very good on short stuff too, but that stuff between 11 and 15 yards He's just so good at throwing it over linebackers' heads in front of corners. Um, I think that 
he's just, I just, if he gets a good supporting cast, he's going to elevate um, uh, his wide receivers and his tight ends. So because of, and these passes are difficult. I mean, when you're throwing into these tight windows and you got to throw in between two or three players, those are difficult throws to make. And we, I think that we see him do that regularly enough that, that it makes me excited, but would, I don't know if the fantasy community would be excited about a CJ, or excuse me, a Philip Rivers type player in today's NFL where they want you to run the ball and they want you to be, you know, a dual threat. He's not that. He's not that, but is yeah. but the other portions of his game as far as, you know, is and then throwing the ball deep. He's excellent at that too. I would love to see him I would love to see him in, in Detroit with Jamison Williams and DJ Chark and all that speed. Oh my goodness, in that offensive line. Yeah. I would love to see that. So he is my QB one because I just think that he's advanced as a passer. And I have questions about Bryce Young's like arm strength, like whether or not Bryce Young is a true arm talent. I know that he's a great athlete. He's very Russell Wilson has been the comp for him since he was in high school, but I've got CJ Stroud because I don't have questions about the throws that he can make in an offense. He, you got to protect him. He's got to have a great offense. If he doesn't have a good offensive line, he's not going to be good, but boy, that boy can throw the ball down the field. You know, you know, Felix, every single year, the thing with the quarterbacks is always, will they be able to handle, you know, everything but the physicality of it, like all the preparation, the understanding, the, 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 the speed of the game, the, you know, the pressure, the, the media, the, just the money, the, all these other things that, you know, the, the weight of the franchise, the whole thing, right? There's so much on these quarterbacks, especially if they're drafted in the first round. You know, look, it's hard, man. I mean, could you imagine being drafted as a quarterback of an NFL franchise and being like, all right, man, we sucked last year. Now because of you, we're going to be great. Now go do something. Right. Like that's fucking huge. So the, the the degree of difficulty these guys are placed in is, is enormous. I think when we look at C.J. Stroud, it's very, very clear that he has all the tools. You know, he, when you look at his profile, if I'm just looking at it, if I did, never saw him play, never saw him throw the football, I'd be like, okay, completion percentage over 70% for his career. Like, check. Yards per attempt, over 10 yards per attempt both seasons. He's over 10 yards for his career. Check. Um, touchdown percentage, check. Interception rate is like infinitesimal. Dude does not make mistakes. He has eight picks in his career. It's six last year, two so far this year. Check. Big program, big, uh, you know, big frame. Check. The one thing that he doesn't do, as you point out, is run the football. And I know a lot of times the next question will be, well, Felix, you watch the games. You think this guy can run the football? And who gives a shit? If he doesn't, he doesn't. And if he doesn't, he probably won't. So why are we, you know, wondering if he will? He probably won't. So he's probably more of a pocket passer. It doesn't matter how athletic he is. You know, Mac Jones, everybody's like, he's athletic. He's not running the football either. You know, I, you know, and, and, and I'm not comparing him to Mac here, but you know, he's more like Mac than he is like any, you know, these other guys, right? I mean, he's, he's a, he's a stationary pocket passer. There's no doubt about it. That can win in the NFL. It does have a ceiling, right? So he's probably not, you know, one of these top four or five, uh, you know, uh, quarterbacks in fantasy in the NFL, even if he hits, but he certainly could be very, very good. And, and in the Herbert Mahomes, you know, stratosphere potential, although Mahomes is a whole nother thing, but you know, maybe the Herbert, what, you know, Burrow type of guy, right? Well, I mean, that's the, so the thing about Herbert and Mahomes, Herbert isn't necessarily a runner, but you get him. I mean, he had that excellent throw 
here uh, this week or two weeks ago where he's running to his right and he throws that post across the body 50, right. 60 yards down the field to his right. left. That is he not escapes C- the throw. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's not C.J. Stroud. That is not Bryce Young. Like, Bryce Young is athletic enough to roll around it, but he can't throw the ball that far. C.J. Stroud right. is not <laughs> like your off-platform improviser to, to do that kind of stuff. So um, we got to protect him in the middle of the pocket, keep pressure out of the middle, you know, keep defensive tackles off of him. And he can – he can, but he's not – athletically, he's not in a Herbert – in a Mahomes thing, or even as like Zach Wilson can do some of that stuff. Now Zach Wilson right. is, is not isn't the processor that those two are, but you can see Zach Wilson roll around and then throw a sixty yard bomb. That's not and do off platform yes. and improvise stuff. That's not that is not CJ Stroud at all. Not CJ Stroud at all. So is Bryce Young, your quarterback too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, because he's going to be the quarterback two in the NFL draft too, right? I mean, that's almost like a foregone conclusion. Is that fair enough to say? I mean, are we there yet? I think it's not a foregone conclusion that um, that's, that Bryce Young goes number one overall. You know, I think that there's still a, a likelihood that Bryce Young could go number one. But, my, you know, I just have a lot of faith in CJ. It's really the arm talent is the difference to me. I think that Bryce Young might be a sub par arm talent but you know what so is joe burrow so is russell wilson i don't think that russell wilson you would say russell wilson has a howitzer of an arm and so that's just like the the difference between for me between those two i just have faith in cj stroud stroud's arm talent a little bit more i feel like i feel like they they told um bryce young to to run a little bit more this year because it's like he's like he's done it you know he's he's uh you know he was basically didn't run at all his first two seasons. And then this year he's got, you know, eight yards of carry 154 yards in five games and not a ton, but you know, 30 yards a game as opposed to, you know, zero uh, in his first two seasons. So yeah, I think that that's probably something that, you know, he's making a conscious effort. He's listed. What, what, what do you think he is? A six foot? Is he, five, is he six foot or is he like, I heard he's five eleven and not 200 pounds. He might be 5'11", right? 200, but this is the thing about yeah. Bryce Young. You go back to his time at Modern Day, which is that elite prep school there in California. He does not yes, take sir. content. He does uh, content. He does not take contact. He does not get hit. He gets down. He gets out of bounds. It's very difficult to get a a heart, even in the pocket. When he's getting pressure, you'll see him be this escaped artist Houdini where he ducks around tacklers. So, yes, he is small. I would have concerns about, you know, batted passes and all that stuff. But being able to, you know, play a 16 or 17 game schedule, I don't have issues with issues with, with that because just like Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson doesn't get hit a lot when he when he's out there running, he, he slides, he gets down. That's been Bryce Young since he was since he was in, in in high school just doesn't take contact so yes he is slight and he is small but he knows his limitations as far as his body goes he does not he's not going to let you hit him so last last thing on these quarterbacks and we'll let you go is there another quarterback that's worth even talking about as an NFL prospect because honestly I hear a lot of buzz about these guys then I look at their profiles and I'm very very unsure of these these players um, is there one that you think, no, no, this guy actually has a chance to be an, and I'm not talking about a fantasy ass. I'm talking about an NFL quarterback, starting quarterback. Like, oh yeah, he's a, he's a starter. You know, is there yeah. another guy you think can actually do this? You have to bring me back because we have to go through these, uh, more of these guys, more of these names. I okay. don't, there is not a certain thing after Bryce Young. Um, I, 
if I had to if I had to put money on it right now, I would say that the QB three might be Michael Penix Jr. But we would hmm. see from Washington, but we would see CJ Stroud and Bryce Young taken in the in the first round, and then we might not see another quarterback taken until the fourth or the or the middle of <laughs> uh, the middle of the third, because these other guys just have a lot of question marks. I people love yes. Will Levis. I don't I don't see Will Levis being a first round NFL quarterback. I don't see him being an NFL right. starter. The, the, you know what I've heard about Will Levis is he's a first round NFL person. That's what I've heard. Like great. he's a winner upon winner. That's off. That doesn't off mean that him. you can. Throw, right? Is that what I've heard? I mean, is that right? You know, yeah. weight room guy, like leader. Everybody, nobody's got a bad word to say, but that doesn't mean that you can just walk into an NFL, you know, uh, huddle and be like, yeah, I got this shit. I can deliver the ball on time and on target, and you know, in the greatest football league in the planet. Like it just doesn't mean you can do it. It means that if you can get there that your work ethic might get you there, but I don't think he's there yet. Is that kind of what the the sentiment is here? Well, my concern with him is that he, he misses wide open players all too often. And not only does he miss players, but he throws interceptable entirely too many interceptable passes. Uh, like sure. he'll, he'll miss high and a safety will, will drop an interception. And so that doesn't show up on the box score. But when you watch the, the all 22, it's like, mm, you can't make these types of mistakes at the NFL level. Sure. He thinks yes. that he's a great athlete. You see him take off to run all the time and he tries to spin and juke and all this stuff, but he's not a great athlete. I just would, right. I think the most important right. thing at the quarterback position is consistency is having your team in second right. and five, having your team in second yeah. and, and, and two and not turning the ball over. And I just don't, I don't know that uh, Will Levis can be consistent. So, you know, I, I'm after the first two, after the first two, I don't know what it's going to be. Uh, uh, if Michael Penix Jr. didn't have the injury history that he did, I would say, yeah, he's going to be locked in at number three. The, the one player, I, the, the player that I have to mention, and I don't know that he's going to come out this year. I would say it's a, I would say the odds are on him returning, but Anthony Richardson, if you build an offense around him, if you're not watching college football, you need to, this guy is six foot four, 240 pounds. He is all, he is a legitimate, you're talking about Cam Newton's type body, but runs a four, three, have no questions about his, his arm strength, have questions about his ability to process, have questions about his ability when the, when the, um, uh, anticipatory throws when he doesn't see the wide receiver open and they're breaking open. I have questions about that, but there's not a better athlete. There's probably not a better athlete playing college football than Anthony Richardson size adjusted athleticism. I would probably put him in the top 10% of NFL athletes, but he still needs the reps. He's this is his third year and he's not starting until this year. And we know that quarterbacks who only start one year in college have a poor track record at the NFL level. But I would keep my right. eyes on Anthony Richardson to see if he declares, because if he does, if he does, Jax, that the NFL is telling him he's either, he's going to be a high draft pick. Then you have to, you have to spend your dynasty rookie capital on him because I mean, he can run through linebackers. He can run away from defensive backs. This is one. He will be the most athletic player on the field. And so I'm going to be spending that 108-ish in Superflex leagues yeah. on Anthony Richardson if he declares for the NFL draft. The ultimate risk-reward pick ultimate, because you know the ceiling is just through the roof and the floor is 
literally just a complete crap out. Um, actually, the floor is probably ends up becoming like a tight end or something. I mean, like, as you point out, you know, he probably has a place in the league almost at any position given his athleticism. Um, maybe they'll try and do that to him as they often do with these athletes, but um, we'll see all about that. But I agree with you. Anthony Richardson is captivating as he makes these plays when, when you just see the highlights. He's a highlight reel, right? And so it, it'll be interesting. The, the, uh, where we're at right now is dot, 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 because this is to be continued. We are going to take this pod and, and continue it. Honestly, if you want to do it next week, you're invited. If you got something and we can't get it, we'll do it in a couple of weeks. But whenever Felix wants to come back and finish off the rest of the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, and then even some tight ends. There might be some tight ends. We're going to finish that off. And I think that the wide receivers are the one that's the deepest. So that's that's a lot of fun. Maybe we can do a mock draft. I'm ready. We should do just talk about we need to do that. I am going to come on next week because we need it. This is a longer conversation and we need to have it. We need to get people ready for this 2023 class. Love it. You heard it here. Felix Sharp, part two. Next week. Love it. We'll do a mock draft. I love it. I don't know shit. I'll just take guys willy-nilly. I'll, I'll have a big hat and I'll just pull guys out. No, no, I'll be prepared. We'll 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 do some we'll do some fun stuff. We'll we'll uh we'll have some fun. I'll get somewhat prepared and uh, we'll do it. I love it. So we'll see you next week, Mr. Felix Sharp. So on behalf of everybody here at the Undrafted, on behalf of everybody here at the Undroppables, on behalf of the greatest podcast producer that has ever walked the planet michael p duncan you have been joined by mr felix sharp and i am jax falcone and we are